to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And today we are nestled in the hills of Siesta. Um, we're looking out to a beautiful vista of the green rolling carpet of mountain trees um, right ahead of me across a rather wet terrace because um, it's not one of the sunniest days uh, in Ibiza. It's, of course, the beginning of December. Um, and we are just hitting a little bit of a grey patch. But um, I'm so happy that I'm feeling very sunny inside in the presence of um, today's beautiful guest, um, who's very kindly invited me into her home, that is, of course, Diana Bullion. Thank you, Joe. It's an honour to be here on Reset Rebel. Ah, oh, it's really, really lovely to meet you, finally. I mean, we've been trying to um, get a little date in the diary for the best part of about six months now, but maybe even longer. We have indeed, but we know what the summer's like here, so it's not surprising it's taken this long. It's not. No, that's kind of um, nothing really in the, in the grand scheme of uh, Ibiza busyness, but I do hate the B word, so we're not going to uh, continue down that path today. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe how you ended up coming to Ibiza? Because you're obviously from, uh, you know, England and you maybe, I'd have no idea really anything about your journey to arriving here. Well, I first came here 12 years ago and I've been coming and going ever since. And basically, when I made the decision that I needed some kind of cosmic crane to lift me up out of my life in London and plop me somewhere else in the universe. And I really literally wanted to be lifted up and then plopped down somewhere else that was good for me. I was really done with my 10-year career in London. And actually within a few months of making that request, I got called to Ibiza by a musician who was playing in gigs and asked me to play with him. Now, instead of playing gigs, I actually met the father of my child on the first day of my stay here. And a two-week two uh, holiday be- be get, actually turned into the beginning of an amazing adventure on this island. And as I say, I've been coming and going since then. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't expect you to say that. That sounds like an epic story. I'm, what a wonderful <laughs> first dive into your life story. Okay, so let's uh, go back a tiny bit. So obviously your 10-year career in London, what were you doing before you got to Ibiza? Well, mainly at the the point at which I left, I was a body worker and I was working with people with addictions and homelessness. So I was doing a lot of very, very hard, heavy work around around street users, street prostitutes. Um, I got very tired doing that work because it was hands-on energy body work all day, uh, working in public institutions. And um, it was an amazing line of work and I learned so much from doing it. And at the same time, I kind of realised that after 10 years, I was quite done. I couldn't really do that, that intense, heavy lifting work anymore. I, yeah, I'm a little bit speechless, actually. I mean, wow, what an incredible thing that you've already been doing before you do the work that you do now, which we're about to get into. But I think, yeah, that must have been incredibly challenging in lots of ways to be working with people with such trauma as well. I think being so closely connected to that person in such a physical way. Yes, it, it was really challenging and, and I think it gave a lot to them as well. However, what I realised was that a lot of people with deep traumas don't have the tools to actually come to terms with them. And what I realised, especially in the public services in the UK, was that a lot of people go through these kind of public services like health and mental health and addiction services and they never get to the root of their trauma and then they get stuck in that vicious cycle, whether it's on and off the streets or in and out of hospital or in and out of addiction. And I suppose it kind of set the scene for me to want to go deeper in the way that I worked with people. And that's what led to what I'm doing now. That's so interesting because um, I've never really experienced or witnessed, I, I suppose, really any kind of homeless people in Ibiza. And I think it is that time of year where you start to look inward and you want to help others, I think. That's generally how I start to feel at the beginning of December. And I think... I actually saw something on Facebook the other day just about this um, German guy who's in Ibiza town. I think he's only like 23 and he's homeless. And this Dutch lady posted just to say that she'd been buying him like groceries. And every time she sees him, she talks to him. And I think that's actually the first time I've ever really realised that, you know, there was actually probably probably like a handful of maybe homeless people in Ibiza who maybe get stuck here in the cycle of that over Christmas and then they you know maybe never ever leave a little bit like you did but not quite the same (laughs) Mm. yes I know the Red Cross here works Mm. a lot with homelessness 
Uh, so there is there is quite a big problem here, but it's clearly not as visible as in a big city like London, where it's really in your face all the time. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just the Ibiza bubble in general, really. I don't think you ever really see that side of society. I mean, you know, apart from when I recorded a podcast up in Sapenya, which is like the, you know, the equivalent to the Bronx, I think. But, um, you know, you walk down there and you really do see a whole different walk of life that you just don't really experience, I would say, pretty much on the entirety of the rest of the island. It's very true. And I think when I arrived in Ibiza from East London, it was a real break for me to be somewhere that was so healing and so safe because I'd been living in such a dangerous place that was just surrounded by social problems. And for me personally, that was very important because when I arrived in Ibiza 10, 12 years ago for the first time, I really embarked on quite a deep healing journey. And I realised that having the space around me and having the safety and having this incredible sense of well-being and the sun and the food and, you know, all the rest that we know about actually gave me this huge opportunity to let go of a lot of my own trauma and a lot of my own things that I'd still been holding on to in the very dense um, urban conglomeration of London. And I realised that, you know, it's very hard to wash a dirty cup in dirty water. And Ibiza really offers clean water, literally and figuratively, for us to start really cleansing and healing our own being. And I suppose that's why a lot of us are here. And so, yes, it does feel safer. You don't have all of that um, social malaise in your face. And it actually provides an opportunity for really, really deep self-work as well because of that. Mm. And I've really valued that, I have to say. Although I'm aware that none of those problems have gone away in any of the places I've lived. I've Mm. lived in many places with problems. I think I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now without having had that break um, from reality, one might call it, <laughs> in the Ibiza bubble, as it's called. I think it's, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's an opportunity. And some people come here, I think, and, you know, they grasp that opportunity with both hands and they're never going to let it go and they move here. You know, that's obviously your story and obviously my story. But I think, you know, it's difficult to know when that opportunity should be absolutely explored at its fullest depth or, you know, just the little toes are going to be dangled and maybe you get on your flight back home again. So I'm I'm intrigued to the next part of the story. You've sort of teased us with this great opener of coming here to work with a musician. What were you what were you going to be offering? What were you going to be performing? Um, to be honest, I can't remember. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I just brought a couple of flutes with me and I was hoping for the best. I was doing a lot of improv at that time. <laughs> Even better, I won't ask you to get to your, you know, your flute out on the show because um, perhaps that's not appropriate because um, I'm intrigued to hear your skills. But what, um, yeah, so you met this man the, the very first time. Where was the gig? No, no, I never got around to playing the gig. It's just that the, he was the person who kind of signposted me to Ibiza and invited me to come and play with him. But actually, because I met the father of my child on day one, then that was that really. I was, wasn't really interested in anything else. How did you meet this man? I'm always intrigued with these stories. Um... When I first arrived in, in Ibiza, um, I arrived at this very, very random illegal campsite up a mountain in Santa Trudis, which is where the erstwhile musician was. And what happened was he actually wasn't there. He'd blown me out. And I was surrounded by a lot of people smoking pot at the top of the mountain. I didn't have a car. I didn't have any food or water. And I needed a way to get off the mountain because I was pretty sure I didn't want to stay up there. <laughs> So the owner of the campsite offered offered to take me down off the mountain if I'd accompany him to a trance party on the beach, which was the last thing I wanted to do. I was already quite deep into my healing journey and as a practitioner, so the last thing I wanted to do. But I did want to get off the mountain. I was hoping that I might be able to buy some food and water on the way. I was quite severely dehydrated at this point. So he started driving me down the mountain. And then about halfway down the mountain, the owner stopped and a little red car came up. And it had a lovely, very clean-looking man in it. And the windows were wound down and they greeted each other. And out of this complete sheer impulse, I looked this guy in the eyes and I said, I'm going to get out of this car now and I'm going to get into your car and I just want you to take me wherever you're going. And he said, oh, I'm off to teach a meditation class. I said, great. (laughs) And so... (laughs) The plot thickens. And so basically that's how it started. He rescued me off a mountain and took me to his meditation class, um, took me to a place where I could buy food and water and it went from there. 
So what was the instinct that you had that you were literally going to get out of this car and just get in to the other one with a clean looking man? Was it just the general cleanliness or was there something deeper when you looked into his eyes that you saw that you recognised that you really wanted to be part of? No, no, it wasn't love at first sight at all. It was actually looking into the whites of his eyes and realising that they weren't yellowed with marijuana and tobacco. That was the main thing that was going on for me. I was literally like, this man is energetically clean and I can definitely get into a car with him. I'll be fine. It wasn't It wasn't at all a love at first sight. It took a while, but um, I just felt like I could trust him and I was comfortable around him from the very beginning and that was it. Mm. And how was the meditation class? It was great. I was a little bit out of it because I hadn't slept all night and I was dehydrated, but it was good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm not quite sure where to take it from there. I mean, that's interesting because obviously, you know, you are a a lady that kind of explores this uh, idea of womb awakening, which we're going to get into. But I think, you know, there's a lot of needing to attract the right person of the right you know once you get deeper into that story that that's something that can facilitate that in theory but I kind of I'm interested because how did this yeah was that just something that you really felt any more than the fact that he was just a bit clean and you needed to be rescued well that's what I was consciously feeling at the time but clearly with time I realized we had some sort of destiny we had been brought together Mm. and uh, then we created a child so that's obviously a big destiny And that was 11 years ago? Yes, it was. Yes. And are you still together now? We're not actually, but we are really good friends and we live five minutes apart and we parent our daughter very much as friends and as a family. And it's a very, very beautiful situation, actually, that we have. Mm. And where is he from? He's from Madrid. I just, I love these stories because I just think, you know, what are the, well, A, what are the chances, but B, you know, I I read a quote actually just before I came here on Instagram and it said um, something like, um, coincidence is just God's way of remaining anonymous and I just thought I don't I'm you know I'm not particularly using the g word in any other capacity other than you know I don't think things are coincidences like they you know things happen to us because they're meant to happen and it's all I don't know we don't necessarily need to go down that road too much but I just feel yeah it's an amazing thing how life can work and these opportunities as we as we talked about can pop up when you just seriously least expect them and I do think Ibiza is one of those places more than anywhere else in the world where things pop up all the time you know when the chips are down like something unbelievable can happen and I I feel like that's more prevalent here than anywhere else I've ever lived. Yes I agree it feels like a place where synchronicity um, really works and if you have a passion and if you have something that you want to create, I also believe the island really supports you through those same kind of synchronicities and meetings. It feels like you can just manifest things really fast here. It's amazing. And maybe it's because there's just generally an openness and we're not um, bogged down by a, a way that it's meant to be. You get freed of that here. It's beautiful. So what made you want to get into this sort of womb? Is it sacred womb awakening? Is that what you call it? Well, it wasn't that I wanted to do it. I, it it's something that developed. So the first few years uh, that I was on this island, coming and going, as I say, I was doing a lot of shamanic work, which means that I was working with the drum and the blindfold. And I was starting to learn how to really start seeing people's energetic state in a deep way. And I suppose I had about four or five years really really in a shamanic apprenticeship of my own making where I had clients coming all the time and I was working really, really deeply on seeing what are the underlying energetic patterns that are underneath people's uh, relationship problems, health issues. And it was this very long training which was helping me to see how energy works within people. And so it was this beautiful foundation which felt like another step from the other foundation of um, Japanese energy work, which I'd spent 10 years doing. So it felt like I was very slowly building up these very old and very traditional ways of working with people. And then what happened was that um, on around my 40th birthday, when I just separated from my partner, I started having sexual abuse memories from childhood. And although everything in my life, now I look back on it, was indicating to me, you know, the way that I experienced my childhood, my teenage years, my adult years, I now can can view that completely through the lens of, of course it was like that because I'd been sexually abused. But when the memories first surfaced, they were very shocking because I'd kept them very, very, very deeply repressed in my system. And I believe they came up when I was ready, when I'd done all of this previous other work on myself and with others 
to really be able to hold a space for myself to have these memories come through and they were memories that began when I was about two and went on to uh, till I was about 11 as far as I know and the process of releasing those memories out of my body was very very distressing as you can imagine and what it led me to do was it led me to realize that I had a whole life going on in my womb and in the lower half of my body which I'd never tapped into I'd been completely disassociated pretty much from the diaphragm down from anything that was going on in that part of me and as the information and memories were coming out up and out through my womb I was also having these extraordinary messages come through saying you're meant to work with the womb this is your job you're meant to help people wake this up and you're going to remember how to do it something that you've done for lifetimes and so I took that thread of faith basically and about six months after my first memories arrived I felt this really strong calling to run my own womb workshop Um, I had no idea who was going to come I had absolutely no idea what was going to happen and the message was the teaching will unfold when the students are sitting with you and that's how it's going to work and that's exactly how it did work so this first workshop I ran was with three women um, all from different countries and we sat for four days and all of this teaching started coming out of me which was extraordinary and then I spent the next few years holding a workshop let's say every couple of months on average and then more and more teaching would come through so this body of work evolved literally as I sat with women it was the only time it would come through anything new would come through was when I was sitting in a circle of women because it was coming through for all of us it wasn't just for me and so this body of work around opening the womb healing the womb clearing traumas from the womb clearing um, sexual wounds from men whether in childhood or in adulthood clearing ancestral wounds through our mother line finding um deep points of space and truth inside the womb all of this started unfolding and became this body of work which I now call sacred womb awakening and is now an official modality um, recognized by the IICT the International Institute for Complementary Therapies but all of this took place within a period of about four years and within that four-year period I also developed my own practitioner training and a few months ago just ended my first 12-month practitioner training which I trained women from about seven different countries so so literally at the end of 2015 was the first ever workshop where I had no idea what was going to happen and in June 2019 I'd actually just finished my first ever 12-month practitioner course so let's go back a little bit because when you say that these memories started to arise what do you think brought that on and what was the key to sort of unlocking that you know regurgitation of these memories if you like a lot of people have asked me and I actually honestly don't know I don't know if it was one specific thing that triggered me to start releasing this at a cellular level all I will say was that um my young daughter was growing up so I had a, I had a young child that I was bringing up and also I just terminated my relationship with her father so I think two very strong impulses was when you have a daughter potentially um, you might be triggered by the ages and stages that they're moving through Mm. and the other thing was that because I was no longer in a relationship I had the space for myself again to do my own healing work Um, I know that a lot of women do their own trauma healing when they're in a relationship but I feel that my soul needed a a big space around me to actually deal with this I've you know I haven't had a partner I haven't even been looking for a partner all of this time because I think I really needed that space and I also needed to to you know reach a level of maturity where I could actually deal with this and not only be processing the memories but also working with and for others at the same time which takes quite a lot of strength so the triggering specifically I don't know but certainly I was ready and it was right for me it was the right time. So you're continuing on that journey for yourself, or would you say that through the work that you've been sharing that came up for you, that you've kind of, that is that sort of facilitated that journey for you as well? Of course. I mean, I think when we create or do healing work, we're, we're first we're doing it for us. That's the honest truth. We're always doing it first for us. We always teach or offer the work that we need. And that's certainly the work that I needed, have needed, and probably continue to need. Um so I went through a huge healing journey 
through beginning to offer this work and by facilitating it for other women and by teaching practitioners. It was so supportive for me to do that. And I've been through the most extraordinary journey and I I literally don't recognise myself as of, you know, the the beginning of 2015. The the journey that I went on, uh, the pain that I released, the maturity that started growing within me, the confidence that grew within me, I've just been extraordinary. It's been an amazing journey. It's just so interesting listening to this. And I feel, yeah, you're clearly on your path now. As you say, this work just literally moved through you, which you didn't even know was there. And yeah, that's. I think that's always the best way in lots of ways when that kind of situation comes to the fore. There's, you know, deep rooted kind of knowledge and, um, you know, sharing that you obviously felt compelled to to hold space for other women because I have heard about you before actually as we just found out before we started talking through a, a good friend of mine Victoria and I know that she worked mm. um, with some women at Sid Sid Joy's house back mm. in back in the south of the island I remember you were holding workshops there and I've heard some great things so are you still doing those workshops? At the moment I'm not running uh, direct workshops for women I have a couple of online courses one of them's called Womb Awakening so it's all the basics of awakening and healing your own womb energy and I have another one called Ready for Divine Relationship which is a more advanced online course mm. these are all play on demand courses you're not I'm not teaching live they're just all on demand um I'm not really running any in-person workshops because I'm now focusing on practitioner training so next uh, June I think I'll be teaching for seven days in Glastonbury in the UK, not at the festival, in the sacred town at the base of the door. Um, And that'll be nestled inside a 12-month online training as well for anyone who wants to learn how to offer this work to other women, which is a very amazing opportunity if you're already teaching a modality or if you're already a therapist and you want to now move into group work and work with circles and um, have opportunities to have a modality where women really come together and go through some really really serious and deep and genuine transformation in a very self so you know safe space it's really amazing it sounds like so that's a residential course and then it it continues online in the aftermath of that yes exactly the aftermath is quite a good description actually because <laughs> although um it's quite an interesting use of word um the 12 months online is very much about going through your own personal journey and being supported by meeting in circle every every two weeks for 12 months, as well as developing the professional skills. Um, the way that I work with uh, training practitioners is it's very much about the personal journey first and learning to embody what it is to have um, a clear, clear body and womb, clear from old trauma, clear from old limitations and full of love and full of creative power. And that's a journey to get there. It's not something that you can purchase or buy. It's something that you have to live in order to create. Do you feel like you have recovered fully from your experience of these sort of, you know, memories that reoccurred for you? Or I do, actually. I really feel like I've got the, got out the other end of that. And it's taken a long time. I wouldn't have been able to say that even quite recently. But as I've continued to do the work, more and more has come out, more and more has come up. And I have reached that point of... As far as past trauma is concerned, I'm done in terms of what happened in my childhood. Now, in terms of learning how to embody divine love, I'll never be done. Or in terms of how to fully embody my sacred femininity, that journey, that's a lifetime. So I don't feel that um, my journey is over by any any stretch. And I think a lot of more teaching is going to come through me in the, in the future as I learn to embody and heal other aspects of myself through the womb. But certainly the past trauma aspect feels very much that uh, I've done that work now. And that's a really good feeling. I bet it is. That's kind of incredible, really. I think a lot of people don't ever, you know, recover from these things in a lifetime because they don't have the tools. They don't know who to turn to. They can't find the right therapist or psychologist or whoever it is that they need to work with. And I think that's one thing that's so amazing about Ibiza is that there's such a plethora of amazingly talented people here that do offer some incredible services there's also quite a few that don't and um, obviously trying to find the right person for you I think is one of the crucial parts Mm. and joys I get from doing this podcast is that I think it really gives an opportunity for people that come on to really showcase what it is they do do and usually you know they are pretty amazing people so thank you again for coming on but I I, what I'm interested in I suppose to a degree is the idea of you know 
wallowing around in the past when you've got obviously past trauma and you know I, I sometimes I feel like it's a rock and a hard place of wallowing too much and all the bad terrible things that have happened to us and the family members that may have caused it or the things that might have you know triggered it or created it in the first place I mean how do you how do you unravel that where do you even begin may I ask absolutely and that's such a good question and I think I think you know we've had for quite a long time this paradigm of talking therapies where you're meant to be able to heal things by talking about them and it's not always the case I think when we when we keep repeating the story to ourselves of what's happened and we talk about it and we analyze it and we you know we come to the you know a certain level of understanding of who we are because of what's happened well that's only half the picture and what we then need to do is we need to make a really clear firm decision intention that we're going to release it but out of our bodies because the story's alive while it's in, in us at a cellular level and the mind will follow the energy at the cellular level and keep holding on to the story because it, because the being, your being, knows that you're not done with it. It's still in your body. And so I think the real key to working with trauma is to know that, first you know that you, you have the power and things are speeding up very much at the moment on Earth. We, you can deal with this stuff quite fast, actually. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out. You have the power to, to release old trauma, old information, old emotions out of your body. Um, and to really make a really clear effort to do the work through your body and through your emotions so that it fully comes out. So a lot of the women I work with, they get chiropractic, they get massage, they get energy work, they get body work, they do yoga, they dance, they scream, they howl, um, they, they emote. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a process of releasing this, which, um, which is very fast and it's not mental, it's visceral. And it takes a lot of strength to hold that process. But if you can do it, you you really will get it out of your system. And that's how I've got it out of my body. And the other thing then is to decide what you're going to do with all the energy that you've liberated from the trauma release. And so it's very important, as well as working on the past trauma, to have very clear and empowered sense of where you're going to put that new energy. Is it going to be into creating something new, a new relationship, a new business, a new idea and to put an equal amount of energy into into being into what i call empowered creation um, moving forward so that you're in this beautiful transformation and that's very much what i embodied as i was doing my sexual healing work i i would have days on end where i was lying in bed shaking and unable to do anything because all these memories were coming through my body and then I would have weeks on end where I was productive and I was giving back and I was using that experience to help others and that's what really helped me keep moving forward in my life I was dealing with trauma but that wasn't the only story that was going on there were lots of other stories particularly the story of developing this modality which I was giving my light and my energy to and that's so important because if we only focus on on the past we've become a victim of it and that's very much a story that um, is not interesting if you really want to heal. Your, it's not your fault. Anything that happened to you in your, in your past when you were powerless to stop it happening, it's not your fault. But once it's in your body, it's your responsibility to release it and not to use it as an excuse or a, or a reason to be stuck in your past or blaming other people or blaming circumstances because that just doesn't have a place if you want to be an empowered creator. Yeah. I have to agree with that one. And I'm glad you said that because I think that doesn't just apply to healing trauma from the womb. It applies to healing trauma in general, you know, and we are, no matter who or what caused it, responsible for unraveling, you know, that that pain and unleashing it and getting rid of it. And like you say, there's just so many different ways of doing that. But I think sometimes, you know, when you're stuck in that story, it's hard to know where to begin to offload and... Obviously, you know, I think that's another thing that this island lends itself to is going back to the addiction again. It's, you know, there's a lot of temptation here and there's a lot of quick fixes that people turn to instead of the longer, more, what's the word, I suppose, uh, yeah, work heavy modality, which is to do the work, to, to you know, to, to unravel it. And I think a lot of people come here to party because they are you know running away from something escapism is a, is a key factor of I think a lot of you know people's reason for for loving Ibiza it's obviously a million other reasons besides but that's definitely one thing that I used to come here for personally myself was and I used to go out and party a lot because yeah I just wasn't very happy you know and there was things I, I didn't want to think about and I didn't want to you know go into and I, I've definitely 
thankfully done a lot of hard work and a teacher training, a couple of teacher trainings and, you know, become a yoga teacher as well. And that's helped me enormously being here and doing those things. So it is interesting. It's very interesting. But I, I think I'm interested in knowing more about how you kind of harness the power of the womb. Because obviously, mm. you know, you've mm. talked about, or I've read a little bit about what you've been saying about obviously the heart being our second brain, but perhaps that's for women, you know, possibly even more powerful than the heart space. Mm-hmm. What I've realised is that, you know, from my own journey, and I've seen this in other women, is, is that we tend to be quite disconnected from the womb. So thank you for the question. It's a great question. Um, I believe that the entire body is a brain, but the problem is that we're not necessarily connected to our whole body. So when we go through life, um, we're, we're essentially uh, conditioned to be in our brains and our thinking brains, and that, that conditioning starts with education. We don't get actually encouraged to have a full body sense of ourselves even from a young age because we have a very mental driven society and you know if you look at other cultures they're much more physical than we are you know indigenous cultures um you're much more encouraged to actually be in your whole body and your full senses um and so one of the big journeys that we need to take in life is actually to move into the other parts of our body and so yes it's now very well known that you need to take the journey into your heart you need to move down to that part of yourself. You need to de-armor your heart. You need to go in. You need to find this energy and consciousness that's happening through your heart. And where the womb is concerned, well, the womb certainly isn't more important than the heart. But actually, I, f- I feel that the womb creates the foundation for the heart. So if you think um, of a human being as a pillar, well, they're a pillar that starts with foundations in the earth and that rises up into the sky. All of us have started building our pillar the wrong way. We've started at the top, we started in the head, the brain, moving down to the heart. And it's very important that we also work on and liberate the foundations of who we are, which is in the womb. So uh, another way I look at it is that um, one of the most stable structures on, on the earth, one of the most stable um, built structures is a pyramid. The pyramid is really, really wide on the bottom. And there's a lot of energy mass in the bottom of the pyramid. And then the pyramid gets more slender until it comes to a point at the top. A lot of us are like upside down pyramids. Uh, We have so much energy happening in our heads and so little energy happening in our wombs or in our lower bodies that we're actually unstable. We're not we're not able to fully find our power and stability. So when we get down to the womb, What I see is that a lot of women have really shut down this centre. And it's not just for personal individual reasons or individual traumas that might have happened. It's actually because collectively our wombs have been shut down. If you look at what's been happening um, to our world for thousands of years now on this planet, sexual violence and the repression of women have been absolutely central to all the the ways that all of our societies have worked. And so collectively, we don't feel safe to be here. We don't celebrate this part of ourselves. This part of ourselves is negated. And this part of ourselves has either ancestrally or collectively or individually or all three experienced some kind of violence and dishonor. And so rape and sexual abuse is the kind of um, the absolute epitome of that. But it goes so much deeper than that to the point where... um, you know, um, hysterectomy is one of the most common operations in the USA. Doctors will whip out your womb instead of looking for alternatives because they believe it's not even important as an organ. Uh, you know, you have women taking HRT, having a very medicalized approach to their natural cycle. The womb has been forgotten. The womb has been marginalized. The womb has been invaded. And it's all because the womb is actually where the woman's seat of power is. And so what does that mean? Because that can sound very abstract unless you've actually connected with it. Mm. When you're connected with your womb, you are actually physically centred and grounded into your body. So it means that you you don't have your thinking mind as the locus of your of your everyday consciousness. You have a place far, far deeper in your body that's actually a place that's very still, quiet and knows how to access a very simple and clear truth of who you are and so when you're in your so let's say an example so um you know busy executive woman in an office in london most of her life is spent in the chatter in her head and the way that she's using her brain to deal with everyday tasks and all the problems and challenges of her corporate life on the opposite end of the spectrum a woman who's in her womb is actually experiencing a lot of silence in her mind She's experiencing a lot of peace because 
her energy and her attention are down in her lower belly. And she is feeling a sense of belonging there. She's not feeling restless. She's not feeling bored. She's not feeling insecure. She's not feeling that she needs to get to the next appointment or uh, get the next hit of the next thing that she's addicted to, whether it's digital or (laughs) stimulation. She's actually really here. She's really present. She's really, really grounded. And when she does decide to act, it's coming from a much deeper place of this is the right time. This is the right thing to do. And she's also feeling safe in her body and in her womb. So a lot of us who've been brought up in Western society, you know, go back to the executive woman in London, the chances are that she's uh, most of the time on red alert. She's probably, you know, got her adrenals firing all day and she doesn't actually feel that safe in most of her relationships. There's a lot of superficiality going on, a lot of mind chatter, but with not only herself, but with other people. Her connection to, with other people is happening at a quite superficial level. Whereas the woman who's sitting in her womb actually and has actually worked with her womb is feeling that she is profoundly safe with other people. She is profoundly present with other people. She is able to connect deeply with other people and she's able to connect very deeply at a sexual level. She is completely able to open herself and receive, open herself to receive love, sexual energy from a partner, a lover, because she knows that she is fully embodied and strong in this part of herself and therefore is able to really meet someone. And not only that, but that the intuition of her womb, the feeling sense of her womb, is able to tell her exactly who and what is right for her. So she's very, very highly attuned and she's very, very highly aware of what is allowed to come into her space because she can feel absolutely clearly the sexual energy and the emotional energy of others through her womb. And she can feel whether that's something that she wants to really permit into herself, into her life or not. And so she has this security that she is grounded and safe and she has the intuition and knowledge to know what is safe for her and what she can bring in. And so her life may be less busy, but everything that she does bring into her life has immense value because she has actually allowed it in because she knows it's right I feel like you're talking about I mean intuition basically so you're really listening to your gut feeling about something or someone or Mm. yeah that kind of interaction that you're going to invite into your life and I think how can you in a bar for example uh, or a nightclub Mm. or you know these kind of spaces of that might feel like connection but actually that they are quite disconnected places and places where people are high drunk you know or just interacting in a superficial way how how do you how do you have that feeling how could you harness your power in a in a space like that and not make the wrong decision exactly and you're absolutely right and it and it actually goes deeper than that because uh what i realized that in, in my own personal journey because i had experienced sexual abuse at a young age and then I was completely had completely disassociated from my womb Um, I had a tendency to attract toxic relationships and probably goes without saying but it was as if my womb because of because she'd received trauma that was the information of what sexual energy was and so that had begun at two years old so I never had a reference point in my womb of what healthy masculine sexual energy is for example and so when I was younger, it wasn't just about being in my head and um, having a more superficiality to myself because I was in my upper body. It was also, in the meantime, unbeknownst to me, my womb was magnetically attracting more traumatic experiences and more traumatic relationships because it was as if my womb was set to trauma. You know, that was the energy of my womb. And it was only when I did the work to release the trauma and really start clearing cleaning the emotional energy in my womb and also starting to train myself about what safe and healthy sexual energy feels like that this shifted and suddenly the energy coming into my life completely changed so when a woman is in her womb and she's done her work and her womb is clear and it's vibrating with the energy of love and safety then there's this effortless magnetic attraction to 
relationship energy, partnership energy, that is also safe, loving, secure, joyful, divine, sacred. Do you think that's why there's a lot of women in Ibiza? Because obviously we've got this, you know, goddess of fertility presiding over the island. We've got Tanit here. There's a hell of a lot of women. And I don't know if it's any man listening to this podcast because it's about harnessing your, uh, you know, sacred womb power. But if you are, just a little tip. There's a lot of women here, a lot of single women who really want to be in relationships, um, particularly in the wintertime, you know, literally most of my female circle are single you know 30 or 40 somethings who don't seem to be able to attract well not just the right guy but any guy there seems to be a a national shortage going on in Ibiza which is fascinating because you're doing this work and it does feel like a very female supported kind of island in in that regard so I think this is great great work that you're doing here and it's is very, very interesting. But I think, you know, you were sort of saying um, in one of the articles that I was reading that you've written on your website about the four signs that maybe you're not in your sacred womb power. And one of those I loved was about, you know, not being able to manifest these wonderful ideas. And there's so many people here, so creative, great ideas, lots of business plans, you know, lots of creativity, but unable to kind of really make that happen. Mm. Yes, so that absolutely goes with um, not being in, in, in your lower body, actually, and not being grounded. So I think when, you're, um, when you've got a lot of creative or intuitive energy, that's what I see a lot of, great ideas, amazing intuition, open to the, the universe at large, um, you, need a, a cha- you, ne- you need a clear open channel for that to all come through and for it to be converted into physical action on your part. And... Um, I think sometimes there's a disconnect between what the body's capable of and what the mind imagines. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> and this this goes back to the upside down pyramid. You know, all the energies at the top. And and the pyramid's spinning around and around, but it's not stable and there's just too much energy happening at the top of the pyramid. Um because the whole base of the tip pyramid is at the top of your being. There's too much energy happening. Um, and and what it means is that when you're, when you're spinning around with so, ideas, so many ideas, you're not able to come into the deeper sense of intuition, which gives you the discernment around which idea is actually for you. Because we've all come with a purpose. We've all come with a mission. And of those three million ideas, there will be one that actually you're aligned with. And... I have a feeling that when you really open the womb space and when you really sit there, it allows you to receive inspiration in a far more selective way. So I almost feel like uh, when you use your intuition, when you use your womb as a seat of intuition, it's as if there's a massive filter that happens and it really allows in only that which you're really aligned to do. And I've seen this again and again. I teach women how to enter into the space of their womb with the sole purpose of receiving their their, their sole purpose or their, their mission or whatever it is. I just said that's the sole purpose of receiving their sole purpose. So the same sound, different meanings. Um, <laughs> that was confusing. I just heard that. Um, and when you start really hearing it from, from the womb in that space, what you're receiving is what you're actually aligned to do and what you can do and what you're capable of doing. And it's very, very interesting what happens. And so you go from the three million ideas to this one clear path that all of you is is vibrating with. Now, that doesn't take away that you've got to get off your ass and do it. <laughs> we can't take that away. But it's a much clearer space when it comes to receiving, you know, this kind of very, very clear information. Mm. And also when you're more grounded, where you, when you're in your womb, when you're feeling powerful, when you're in your body, you're far more likely to have the inner confidence to actually start walking your talk, to start actually creating it, to start doing it. And one of the keys to that, in my experience, is being open to abundance, being open to receiving. Because another trap I've seen a lot of people get into on the island is, is around money as well, about, around abundance. And... I really feel like when you when you put out your clear idea, but you're also in that trusting, open space that's created when you've released trauma, you're able to let in not only just sexual energy, but all sorts of other energies into your life, perhaps collaborations, um, perhaps economic opportunities, being paid for your work. A lot of people are very hung up about that, about, you know, charging what they're worth. 
The womb is also this incredible divine place for receiving. And that's one of the keys to feminine manifestation. So the, the masculine part of us manifests through action. And the feminine part of us manifests by allowing ourselves to receive things into our lives. So it's just when you know, you, and there's a lot of it on this island, when you need that magic moment, that synchronicity, that house that you need to live in, or that person who you need to do something, that's your feminine in action because you're calling out for something and you're letting it come to you. And when your womb is closed um, and when it's full of trauma and when you've got lots of emotions and beliefs within you saying it's not safe to receive, I've closed all of this down, it's much harder for that to happen. But when you open that space within you, then all sorts of things can be received. How do you reopen that space just out of interest? How's, what's, what's the kind of channel to that? Again, it's, through, it's usually through uh, trauma and emotional wounding release. So you have to be you have to get to the point where you where you uh, let go of the beliefs, the energies, the emotions, even patterns of physical holding that are happening that have been cutting you off from your womb. And it's also about making a conscious decision to really awaken this as a center of consciousness within you. So I work a lot with light. We put a lot of light in our wombs and our bodies, um, and I believe that we can really manifest anything that we want to do intelligently when we start working with light and when we start working with healing, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. And one of the things we can do is we can literally program our wombs to wake up and to open. And when that happens, the energetic blueprint that starts unfolding from from the womb and the feeling of fire and light and openness that's happening in that centre is very, very transformational. You know, you feel it physically, you feel it emotionally. Um, one of the things that happens and has happened for women of mine is that they've experienced deep healings in the womb. And I've had women who were told they were postmenopausal and their period started again. I mean, it's not just about some sort of energetic thing. It's about physically the womb wakes up. The, the womb wakes up, the womb opens on every level. What about if you haven't had sexual trauma in the womb, but you basically... I don't know, been deeply hurt and have just basically withdrawn yourself from any kind of interaction with men because you've just mm. given up. Yeah. Well, the chances are that um, <clears throat> when you say deeply hurt, you know, that can that can be an emotional hurt, obviously. Um, but in my experience, all relationship pain also has an aspect of sexual pain to it. And... Um, because I think you're you're giving your body, you're opening yes, yourself exactly. to another. And when they hurt you, you know, um, in the course of that opening, then I suppose a lot of people feel very wounded deeply, maybe in that area particularly, because you've been intimate, you've invited that intimacy, and then you feel like that trust has been abused somehow. Exactly. And one thing that's really key here, and this is really transformational, is to understand that when, when you came into the world... Um, even if you haven't experienced sexual trauma as a child, which plenty of people haven't, luckily, you've still come in with all your all of your mother's stories and your grandmother's stories and the woundings that happened down your ancestral line. You've come in with a lot of collective information around relationships not being safe. You've come in with a lot of beliefs around men. And it's often in those early relationships we have, which are very formative and can be very, very traumatic, actually, it's not that that single man has ta taught you that those things are true. It's that you've attracted what you already believed was true, but you weren't conscious of those beliefs. You weren't conscious of those patterns. And so it is that our early relationships are really, they're a mirror. Every relationship's a mirror for us. We, we live in a wounded world. We live in a wounded society. So whether or not your sexual trauma was an individual one, the chances are that encoded in your womb, there's a huge amount of wounding, a huge amount of mistrust. And it's come through your ancestral line. It's come through, it's come through the general patterns of society. We all vibrate with each other energetically. So this happens to a lot for women who haven't had a sexual trauma. They're like, well, why is there something wrong with me? Well, the chances are it's not you. It's that you're holding something much bigger than you and you're living your own unique experience of it and so when you've been hurt in a relationship what it's done it's bring up it's probably brought up what was already inside you but it was dormant and now's your opportunity to clear it 
Because let's face it, if you came in and you were a pure crystalline vessel of love, only able to magnetise and attract pure love, then that's what you'd have got. So you have to take responsibility for what you've attracted because it is a mirror for what you have inside you, however subconscious it may be, however deeply you may hold it. Oh dear, I just, uh, there's so much to take in. It's like, yeah, so fascinating. And um, yeah, I'm really, really interested to actually go back to your website and check out some of the other courses available. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth obviously um having a little look if anyone is interested in in perhaps you know embodying this work and and potentially joining the teacher training in Glastonbury next June which actually is exactly when the festival is at 21st 22nd so maybe if we are uh, you know combine the two who knows um but um Diana I just you know really wanted to say a massive 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 thank you because in the true spirit of this podcast you very very generously um offered to give something back to um one listener on the show and I just wanted you know if you wanted to talk about what it is that you'd like to offer you know it sounds really really amazing indeed well I'd like to offer um, a copy of my online course so it's an eight-week online course all around womb awakening so Everything I've been talking about is inside that course. Uh, you've got eight uh, one and a half hour classes where you're going to learn about all these different aspects of how you can heal the past with your womb, through your womb, but also embody a creative future. And there's a special energy practice for each of those weeks. And you get the whole course all at once. You can do it whatever pace that you like. And it's a very, very powerful experience. It's the distillation of, well, several years of my own life work and whoever gets the course i hope you really enjoy it mm. oh thank you so much that sounds yeah like a massive 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 gift and it is the month of december so i'm very much trying to you know find wonderful guests like yourself to come on the show and and share something because it is that month of the year where you know we really do want to try and share as much as possible and give back and you know like you said with the homeless story at the very beginning of the podcast i feel such a deep compelled desire to go and do something for somebody on the streets of uh, London where I'm probably going to be spending my Christmas but um, I'll have a think about how that's going to be did you did you actually do any that kind of work around the festive period out of interest in London or actually usually I was wiped out by Christmas because I was doing it every week as it were so I tended to have you know very very quiet quiet Christmases yeah. So you must have done quite a lot of work to offload all of that energy that you're kind of taking on from all these different bodies and, you know, traumatised bodies. Uh, you're referring to back in London? Uh, yes, and I think, I mean, I do a lot more work for medicine women and helping women to who are, who are healers to actually deal with that stuff energetically. And I had to teach myself because when I was back in London, I had no idea how to offload that energy, which is why I got so burnt out. That's exactly what I yeah was alluding to. It's like, how did yes. you cope with all of that? It's just so interesting as well. But that's probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Diana, thank you so much for making time of your day. I know that you're busy and um, it's been really, really lovely to uh, sit here and admire the hills of Siesta whilst catching up with you finally. Thank you, Joe. It's been a real honour to be on your show and a pleasure to connect with you as well. Thank you so much. Rebel coming to you every day.